Thank you, Ethan. All right, everybody, welcome to the Movie Cinema Film Podcast. This is a bonus episode from Sundance. I'm your host, Jordan Freed. We do not have Leah Russo here today because she is not at Sundance, unfortunately. Uh, but we are here with our noble, noble co-host, uh, Brendan O'Brien. Hi. Uh, he uh, brought me into his Sundance trip with our two other guests, who they could introduce themselves, I guess. Uh, I'm Ethan Beller. This is my second Sundance. My name is Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> what voice was that? <laughs> my name, that was my uh, telemarketing voice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, anytime like there's a phone or something, uh, I'm just like, hello. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, it's a, it's a bad habit. I gotta break out. Do you have a last name? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Cool. Not even a stage name. No. Then you wanna tell the folks. Nope. Tell the folks out there. You got no. a stage name? Cool. It's, it's just Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, do you guys want to tell the people about yourselves, any projects you're working on right now? Uh, yeah, uh, I am currently in post-production on my first real short in my thesis film. Uh, That's rude. Out. Rude to my other shorts? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, di- I directed them so I can decide which one's the first real one. Um, and uh, it'll be coming out in May, so uh, everyone come to BAM in May 15th or something. And, What's uh, it called? It is called Clinical. And it is a, like, sci-fi romance, I guess. Yeah. Cool. So that could be seen in Brooklyn on May 15th? Brooklyn, definitely not May 15th, but that was, like, the closest approximation. Cool. Um, we'll give you the date as we get closer. Yes. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, Mitch, do you want to add to that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just finished my, what, what is it, like, my fourth feature script, screenplay? Starting some new ideas. That's about it, really. I'm just writing. Yeah. Just writing, man. You also do scores? Yes. Um, I'm scoring Ethan short. Yeah, it's and, a new pretty uh, big project. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So that's that, that's upcoming. For All, something that you can... That's physical, at least. And, <laughs> also, it's pretty cool. He uh, agreed to do our theme song, since we don't have a theme song still. He agreed that he's going to... <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> Dude, that would be awesome. For what? For the to podcast. Make the movie cinema film theme song. You know you're doing a podcast now, right? Yeah. You just strong warm, strong strong warm, strong. Did you just strong arm Mitchell into doing a, a theme song? Uh, we, we will, we will, uh, <laughs> we will brainstorm ideas. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Oh. I, I'm definitely down. This definitely. is making for a great radio play. I like it. I like it. Mitch, Mitch when you when you said uh, I just finished my fourth feature, I thought you were gonna lie to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm four writing. No, I'm, I'm written. Yeah, I certainly have not done any theme filming of features. No. Yeah. So any producers out there, Mitch has a lot of stuff that you should pick up. Yeah, it's bad, but you should do it. It's not bad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Mitch is a great writer. He is a wonderful writer. A better friend, but a great writer. Speaking of great writers, we are going to get into our Sundance recap. Woo! Wow, I'm getting very audio with this. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we figured we would just rank the films that we saw. We all saw the same films. We saw nine films. Uh, we figured we would give you guys a foray into our experiences. Was it eight or nine? Is it nine? Nine? Eight? Eighth? Eighth? Yeah, but nine, well, ten if you count Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, wow, really? No, it's nine yeah. with Velvet Buzzsaw. No, it's not. 
It is. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. It's nine with Velvet Buzzsaw. Can we nine. get a fact checker? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's nine with Velvet Buzzsaw. It's Buzz nine. Off. It is. <laughs> it is nine. All right. <laughs> so, we got our rankings. Some people have their rankings. I don't have my rankings yet, but I'll, I'll get them in line. By on the, the fly? Done. Yeah, on the fly. Okay. The fly. Good reference. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll leave this off with Ethan, because he's to the Ooh, left of us. Okay, all right. Left to left, right, apparently. Unless sometimes. you're Jewish. Yes. Um, are we going bottom top? Uh, right, bottom, bottom to top. top yeah. Or okay. Anime, and right? should I go through all of mine? Uh, yeah, just rank them all. We'll talk about them more later. Okay. And then this will be the first time you hear what films we saw. Cool. Should I do a quick word or just just say my ranking? And just then... say your ranking, and we'll get to talking Got about it. them later. Okay. Cool. So my number nine spot goes to the illustrious Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, number eight is Coco D Coco Da. Number seven, One Child Nation. Number six, Wounds. Number five, The Souvenir. Number four, The Lodge. Number three, Honey Boy. Number two, Love and Tosha. And number one, We Are Little Zombies. Wait, hold on. I think it is ten. It is ten. Yeah. What? What was the other one? I, I forgot Coco di Coco da on my list. You Wait, what was the other What, 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 what did I miss? Coco di Coco da, Velvet Buzz, saw Hole in the Ground. One oh, Hole in the Ground. All right, wait. Hole in the Ground. Wow. Shit. Okay, I deserve wait. an apology. Uh, hole in the Ground on my list goes right um, after Coco di Coco da. So, so ten, Hole in the Ground, and then every... No, I don't know what I'm saying. You guys nine hold the ground, it. ten velvet buzzsaw. All right. Yes, thank you. No, sorry. Other way, seven. My bad. Whoa. Eight is hole in the ground. Nine is coco di coco da. Ten is velvet buzzsaw, and everything above that is just you're a mess. The same. For all you audio learners, I hope you got that. <laughs> Mitch, you want to go? You're next in line. Going yeah. So, so uh, number ten is velvet buzzsaw. Uh, number nine, the hole in the ground. Number eight, Coco di Coco da. Uh, number seven, One Child Nation. Uh, six, Wounds. Five, The Lodge. Four, uh, Souvenir. Three, Honey Boy. Two, We Are Little Zombies. And one, Love Antosha. Pretty close. Yeah. Whoa. Brendan? All right. Uh, number 10, Velvet Buzzsaw. Number nine, The Hole in the Ground. Number eight, One Child Nation. Number... Seven, Coco D, Coco Day. Number okay. six, The Souvenir. Number five, The Lodge. Number four, Wounds. Number three, We Are Little Zombies. Number two, Honey Boy. And number one, Love Antosha. Whoa. All right, I'm making up my, my rankings on the spot right now. We're going to go number ten, Coco D, Coco Da. Number nine, Velvet Buzzsaw. Number eight, The Hole in the Ground. Number seven, we are going to go with The Souvenir. Then number six, we're going to go One Child Nation. Then number five, we're going to go with The Lodge. And then number four, we're going to go with Love Antosha. Number three, we're going to go with we are Little Zombies. Number two, we're going to go with Wounds. And number one, we're going to go with Honey Boy. Mm, that is very different. Good list. Yeah. Very different. All right, so we're going to probably do Velvet Buzzsaw last because that's what <laughs> you guys have access to, and we'll do some spoiler reviews of that. Um, yes. But everything leading up to Velvet Buzzsaw, we will not do any spoilers, and we will do the normal non-spoilers of Velvet Buzzsaw before it. 
So, uh, what films really stuck out to you guys? Well, um, I think We Are Little Zombies for me is definitely the, the biggest standout because it's just True. like the most original, insane movie I've seen in like probably the last couple of years. Yeah. It's a crazy Japanese movie and it was just really fun and funny and like new style I'd really never seen before. It was also the first thing we saw right when we got here. Like as, as soon as we landed, we rushed to make sure we got to see that. Yeah. Didn't even know if we were gonna get there because we like there was a whole like th- like thing of figuring out whether there was we a hole were, in the ground. There was a hole in the ground, um, and we were sitting pretty much like front row, and it was just like hitting us in the face for an hour and a half. And it's yeah, it's very original. The director uh, is like a weird, crazy dude uh, who's kind of been around Sundance a little bit. He had a short there a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, Great music. The music is. So good. Yeah. I mean, it's like just, it, it's basically just watching like a, an 8-bit like video game as a movie, but like really depressing mm-hmm. and funny. It's crazy. Well, it's positive though. I wouldn't say depressing. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is positive and it's, it's yeah. It's it was really funny. Um, yeah. They had some good dark humor in there. Yeah. It's definitely like the first Japanese Edgar Wright movie we'll ever get. Mm. <laughs> and the last probably. Yeah. I don't know, maybe this guy is the Japanese Edgar Wright. He's he's starting off that way, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. be very intrigued to see what he does next. Do, uh, do you have uh, his IMDb up now? No, you're looking at something else. No, no, I have his IMDb up while it's loading. I just feel like we should give the director's name if he's going to be gonna be a big director in the future. Who wants to go for the pronunciation? No. Brendan has it. He yeah. works at a sushi restaurant. <laughs> yep. It's actually not bad. It, it, it's <laughs> Makoto Nagahisa, yeah. and he wrote and directed it. And he did. I think he did the lyrics for all those songs. He in it too. did. Uh, and he collaborated with an American band, right, for the music. Something like that. Yeah. I think yeah. is what they said at the Q and A. Yeah. Uh, that was impressive. You don't even work in a sushi restaurant, and you got the name. No problem. Yeah. No, I, I eat a lot of sushi. Oh, good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, the costuming uh, was uh, very, very interesting, and uh, it changed throughout the film. And there's a couple yep. parts where it's like significant to the plot, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, the colors were just amazing. Colors are cool, and the four lead kids who were, were non actors before this movie are all amazing for different reasons, and yeah. you would never guess that this is their first feature. Shout out, child actors! Yeah, yeah, take a shot if you're listening, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, there was actually a significant amount of. Very talented child actors in almost all the films that we saw. Yeah, actually, I can't think of a single bad child performance, and we saw like a lot of kids in movies this weekend. Except maybe the hole in the ground. I'd like to. No, keep... I thought he he did a good job at least. I'd like to right? keep that actor into a hole in the ground. I mean, you might not like the movie, but I think the kid did it like almost like an objectively good job. Yeah, but they all did pretty good. I guess you can't say objectively, but you know. Who were the best kids? We'd say. Kid and Honey Boy was yeah. easily the best. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. And then right behind him, I would probably put um, uh, all, all four the, kids in We Are Little Zombies. All the orphans in One Child Nation. <laughs> well, they weren't acting. That was, that was their life. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a, just a summary of some of the films that we're talking about. One Child Nation was the uh, jury prize for documentary at Sundance, and it was about China's one child policy. Honey Boy is Shia LaBeouf's writing debut. Directed by Alma de... What's her last name? Brendan. It's her first feature, Oracle. Too, I think. Yeah, and it's her first feature. She's, it was her first feature. She's done a bunch of music videos well, and documentaries. Documentary. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alma Harrell? Yeah. Yes. Alma Harrell. That'd be great. Uh, and yeah. and uh, Noah Jupe, by the way, was, was the... Was the kid. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he played a young 
Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, look yeah. out for that kid. And also, it was it was you know I don't know for anyone who doesn't know it was completely just a, a retelling of Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf of his childhood and uh, his relationship with his father and how that affected him as a, an adult. And it's like it's incredible. Mm. Yeah. But as far as we are little zombies, yeah, definitely the most original thing I've seen in like the last ten yeah. years. And I think it also won the award at Sundance for originality. Uh, yeah. uh, something like that. Yeah, it did. It did won a special jury prize. Thankfully. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was, we alluded to this before, but it's a very emotional movie for how, how crazy and fun and wacky it is. There, I mean, the, I mean, the synopsis. It's the, the premise. I don't think yeah. you, it's not a spoiler, right? So it's, it's it follows oh, these yeah, four no, kids. It's not a spoiler. Yeah, so it, it follows these four, uh, these four Japanese kids and they all have lost their parents. So it's just about these orphans who just form a, a, a rock band. A, a rock yeah, band. Yeah. Uh, so it really is uh, the companion piece to One Child Nation. Yeah. And also, I think that since it's a Japanese <laughs> film, not. they're not Japanese kids; they're just kids. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. they're just kids, regardless. Yeah, shout out we to see race on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's Japanese and race. We we're all from no, country <laughs> Earth. <laughs> uh, props to uh, Mitchell, by the way, for recommending and picking "We Are Little Zombies" as his choice for the festival. Yeah, I had to. Yeah. And that we almost gave up because our flight got in really close to the screen time, and we were not going to go. And then. Mitch convinced us to do it. Yeah. And we cut a bunch of people in the wait list, and we... Well, I think uh, they all got in anyway, so... Yeah, but we got better seats than them. Do you want to explain how, like, the ticketing works to people who, like, might go to Sundance in the future? Give them a little insight onto the process? Because you killed it with getting us movies. Yeah. We had a dope slate. Yeah, I mean, unless... I think probably in the future, it'll probably be better to get, like, especially if you're a student, like, the Ignite package, which allows you, if you have, like, a buy a ticket package... You select it earlier, like a week earlier than everybody else. So if you're like really set on some highly, like really hyped films, I would choose that. But what I, what we did was just pay for an individual membership with Sundance, which is like 60 bucks. Um, and that lets you pick like, I think a week and a half early before the uh, general release to the public. And so, yeah, you just, on the day you get in queue and you wait and it's a crazy process trying to select tickets and whatnot, but... Yeah, I mean, you uh, just have a membership or get a ticket package. Yeah. Don't, groups don't, of don't, four, right? Yeah, groups of four is the easiest because you can buy four at a time. So if you're going to any bigger groups, it'll be troublesome. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, it's like it's hard to get into some screenings like earlier in the week. So like when all Yeah, week the... two is, is what, yeah, what we did. And it's definitely recommended unless you have yeah. twice as much money. Oh yeah, and however, if you if you go in the second week, you're significantly less li- less likely to see Q and A's. Yeah. Because most of the creative people and actors leave after the first week. Yeah. So it really depends what you're going for. Yeah. A lot Definitely. cheaper lodging. If you stay for Everything's the awards, it, you could basically get into all the award screenings. Yeah. Maybe yep. the grand jury. Everything. Yeah. Do you want dramatic? Do we want to take that segue? Speaking of lodging, and talk about the lodge. Yeah, we should talk about The Lodge. For those Excellent who don't know, uh, this was a horror film picked up... Was this picked up by A24? No. No. This was um, Neon? This was it Neon? Uh, I don't want to incorrectly say, but... Um, it was produced by Hammer, which is really cool. Because it I was, don't uh, know. I haven't seen a Hammer horror movie in up. quite a while. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, you want to check real quick? Yeah, I'm checking now. But you guys can start talking about it. I'll look it up. It surrounds this uh, family, uh, these two kids... <coughs> whose parents are going through a divorce because the father was cheating on the wife. Yeah, the wife played by Alicia Silverstone and the father played by Thorin Oakenshield yeah. from The Hobbit. Um, and basically it's the kids dealing with this divorce. 
is a good way of describing it without any spoilers. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the their new, you know, the, the father's <coughs> love interest, right? They yes. We'll say, uh, wants to, Riley Kyog wants to... Well, yeah. Yeah, that, I think mother. that's what the premise says, is that yeah, they yeah. like they go out to a lodge. They want the to kind of build a relationship to together. Build a, yeah. And uh, weird things start happening. Yeah. It's a uh, good film about mental health. Hmm. For all those mental health heads out there. <laughs> yeah, um, also interesting takes on religion that I didn't expect, which was kind of cool. Yeah, a bit of that, yeah. Um, it's uh, got a great script, and also uh, Neon is the one who picked it up. They did pick I it called up. called it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Probably the best horror movie we saw there. Uh, and also, like, uh, surprising in a lot of fun ways. Not everyone, though. Well, to me, at Wounds least. Wounds wasn't horror. We'll get to Wounds Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how you interpret it. We'll get to Wounds we'll get later. To wound. oh, save that one for last, maybe. <laughs> no, but The Lodge is very... It was, it, it was, I don't know, it was very, the cinematography was very good. Yeah, uh, the score yeah. was very good. I think most of like, you know, the location and, and set design and whatnot was really, really good. And yeah. I thought the story had, you know, you, you would expect it to be pretty straightforward and like we were waiting for those sort of plot lines that those happened a lot of like those classic, famous, yeah. yeah, like you're like, oh, I know where this is going, but there were a lot of very big twists that you're just, you, you don't see coming. Yeah, and, and two fantastic child performances by uh, Jaden Lieber, who's, um, uh, he played Bill in It, and then um, a girl named Leah McHugh, who I, I've, had, I've never seen her in anything, but she was really good, and she's good crier. She was really young, she's like seven years old maybe or something. Yeah. Good crier. Usually, yeah. no, it's a first-time actor. If you go to Wikipedia and they don't have a link to their Wikipedia page, yeah. that's her. She doesn't have a link to her Wikipedia page yet. Yeah, we should rank all actors like that. Yeah, yeah. Wikipedia entries. Yeah, Pauly Shore is... Pauly Shore is also, he has no Wikipedia Oh, no, no, the opposite. He's, <laughs> he's highly ranked because he definitely has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a very good movie. They had a lot of heavy lifting, <laughs> and like they did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, and they handle some really dark themes and... Uh, and uh, subject matter really well. Yeah, there's some skit. Like, we can't really spoil stuff because, like, nobody's seen this unless you've been at Sundance, but, like, there's some dark stuff that yeah. happens in this film that these kids are acting. Yeah. Yeah, they sell it. They absolutely sell it. And also, Richard Armitage, who I've only seen as Thor and Shield before this, he, he was really good, you know, in his, uh, in his role as mm-hmm. a dad. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, what other horror did we see? The Hole in the Ground was pretty consensus. Bleh. Yeah. Like it yeah, it, it's a, it's like a fine horror movie. Like, it does everything about a horror movie correctly in the most generic way possible. Which is why I hated it. There are very little surprises. There's no surprises at all. I did not like that film at all. Um, good, good performances, though. Yes. Uh, the score say. bothered me. Um, the premise bothered me. If you like Parmesan cheese, you'll like this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's the best spaghetti scene since uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Ooh. <laughs> How would you rank them? Uh, would you put that above the spaghetti scene? Uh, it's deer, number or? one, Lady and the Tramp. Number two, Ooh. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Then number three. Okay, and then Eminem's Lose Yourself, number four? Well, it's, a, it's an allusion to spaghetti, right? Or does it well, I guess technically it's not, it does not, it is not a spaghetti scene. It's also not his spaghetti, it's his mother's it's spaghetti. My, yeah. <laughs> That's so weird that he threw up his mom's spaghetti, wouldn't he just throw up his own spaghetti? Yeah. Well, he probably ate from her plate. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd never watch The Hole in the Ground again. Uh, I just say if you I, ever, yeah, as same. advice, if you ever see direct TV on a movie, don't go see that movie. 
That was actually one of the best moments of this entire festival was when it was a midnight movie, so the crowd was a little, uh, you know, a little rowdy, and um, everyone cheered like crazy for every logo that came before the hole in the ground, and, and there it, was like 10 of them. And it worked out perfect, because naturally, A24's logo came up, so people were like cheering for that. Unironically. People yeah, were like, yeah, it was just like, great. it was a normal like reaction, like, oh, because you know, people like A24, and then DirecTV was... came on, and there was a bit of like, oh, because everyone knows like DirecTV, but then, it, then six other... Irish things followed yeah. <laughs> and it was the longest like intro to like companies that are producing this and so it was just crazy cheering for yeah. each one that came on it, it was, was funny it's definitely an Irish film um, <laughs> the uh, actress Sienna Kerslake Kerslocky I don't know how you say her name probably yeah. uh, she's I think she's a standout she honestly. was great she's good she was really good in her uh, yeah. giant eyes uh, yeah uh, and lips <laughs> yeah. Uh, James Cosmo of Game of Thrones fame uh, he says a lot of mm. wait what's Irish Game of Thrones huh? he, uh, he played uh, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch um, wait what was... is this is this a movie G- uh, Game of Thrones yeah wait no I don't believe you oh, I, we, sorry we have, a, we have a troll in the house yeah I Jordan refuse Green. no way <laughs> I, I don't recognize Game of Thrones I'm annoyed that I, like, I took the bait for a second <laughs> what do you mean you don't recognize it as media you don't have to like it. It's it's definitely media. I haven't seen it, so it doesn't count. Oh, so it doesn't exist. Basically, it's okay. like the trees that fall in forests. <laughs> if a show plays on HBO and Jordan is not around to see it, does it even <laughs> exist? Does it HBO? Does it HBO? <laughs> as as far as the uh, hole in the ground goes, I think that's all it deserves a couple minutes. Because yeah. it's trash. In my it opinion. deserves to be in a hole in the ground. I was going to say that. Yeah, Watch I would. Then put it in the hole in the Unfortunately, ground. Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, it was filmed on digital, so it was probably like 15 copies. But if it was a film stock, we could definitely bury that and never see it again. Yeah. I'd be right. happy. I don't think this is a spoiler, but there were some good John Malkovich tunnels. <laughs> but none of them led into his mind, so they weren't that great. Not until we got to Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll hold off on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Coco D Coco Dom maybe next. That's next, yeah. Yeah, it's technically a horror film, but it was um. World, no, yeah, definitely a horror film. World cinema, so it wasn't in the midnight screening. It was part of the world cinema, but it's a horror film. Yeah, uh, this, that was, act, this was Ethan's pick actually. I was really, really excited for this movie. I had told we all picked one in the beginning that we would definitely see just because of the tickets and everything. But and I was like, hundred percent, I want to see this movie. It's this crazy looking Swedish movie about this couple dealing with. The grief of their their child has just died, which um, is the premise, not a spoiler. Um, and they get caught in this like repetition of of humiliation from these weird characters and like yeah, they go to the forest to amend uh, their relationship basically. Yeah. And I was expecting some crazy like fantasy elements from what I read about it, and uh, I was a bit let down. Yeah, I the villains were definitely interesting, mm-hmm. but. I don't know if they did the trick. Like they were underused. Yeah, well, my opinion, which is weird because you would think they would be overused in the way they were were used, but yeah. not really. I definitely think that there was a lot more in that film uh, that I think that we didn't sort of figure out yet. Yeah, because that we, deserves a second viewing and, and just more of like a dissection because it was very distinct and there was a lot of stuff there yeah. that was there for a reason and that you know we probably didn't fully pick up on and I I think it also. Because the whole like situation, and I think also would work better with someone maybe that's experienced grief on that sort of level. So, because as far as I remember watching or uh, reading an interview or something like that, and he said that a lot of people after the screening 
you know, came up to him and said, like, this is exactly how it is. Like, thank you. This is great for me. So, yeah, yeah, I read it somewhere after. So wow. so they all get tormented by a weird guy in a way. Well, no, I mean, just like, well, that's what I mean. It, it deserves a second viewing. Even though I didn't, it's low on my list and I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, well, I thought it, I was just disappointing. I, just, I will definitely watch it again. Yeah. Because um, uh, yeah, we all... I guess we all had somewhat different reactions to walking out of it, but I think we could all agree that there was a, there was definitely some things that were confusing about it uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like where the story was going and uh, and what the point and of was story. Was there a story? Yeah, uh, I, I I think I definitely am more in favor of it than not in favor of it, uh, just because it was interesting enough uh, on the premise, and uh, I didn't know what was going to happen next throughout the entire movie. Uh, whether that was for the better or worse. <laughs> uh, this is probably the uh, second best song of the weekend that we saw uh, that's featured in oh, the Oh, super catchy song. Yeah. Super catchy. Did we have the rights for that now? Do we? No, yeah. we did the 30-second sample. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll be whistling that We actually just played that off iTunes. <laughs> uh, I, I had some issues with it. I It felt like, me. Uh, I guess maybe that was the point for the structure to mimic grief but it was like it was a little much for me at yeah. times not like that it was so bad but it just was like i don't need to watch this again and yeah. you guys will know right. when you watch it but yeah. i don't know um there was uh, a couple of scenes in particular one towards the beginning that we all unanimously agreed was like amazing yeah. uh which i won't dis- say specifically but it's yeah. towards the beginning and when you see it you'll probably know um, and then like a few individual moments later on that were pretty, pretty creepy and effective, but yeah, yeah. if you're into creepy dogs, definitely watch this Oh film. yeah. Yeah. Um, what other films have creepy dogs? Cujo? It's like it? the, the godfather of creepy dogs. Pet Cemetery. Is there, I don't, two? Did <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just make that up? Is there a real Pet Cemetery? There is, yeah, yeah, you don't know Pet Cemetery? Wait, what? Well, he I hasn't seen it, so in his media rules, it doesn't wow. exist. Uh, yeah, no, Pet Cemetery 2 definitely has a dog in it. Uh, is there actually a sequel to Pet Cemetery? Yeah, there is. Oh. Yeah. Was that, that one wasn't written by Stephen King, right? Uh, I don't think so, uh, but there's a kid in it who's like an Edward Furlong ripoff. So Edward Furlong? It might be actually just Edward <laughs> Furlong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, but the, the, it's not to spoil uh, Pet Cemetery 2 for all you uh, upcoming horror cinephiles out there, but uh, yeah, the, the dog gets crazy in that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else Coco D Coco Da related? Coco D Coco Day. They we so going into we all thought it was Coco D Coco Da, and then the, and then the pronunciation in the film corrected us pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm sure all of the Swedish listeners are gonna be really happy about that. Yeah. Uh, shout out my former roommate Max, if you're listening. Is he Swedish? Yeah. Okay. Well, Max, you should call in and tell us if it's Coco D Coco Da or Day. I wonder if you've seen it already. Has it been released in Sweden already? No. No. Hmm. All right, Max, check it out when it comes to you. Uh, well, things are going well. One last horror, uh, Wounds. Yeah. Also, oh. don't, don't breathe as a creepy dog. Oh. Oh, yeah. Is it creepy or just protective? It's just the regular dog that yeah. runs. Pretty creepy. And bites people. Well, then it's the same one in Coco Di Coco there. Yeah, I guess But so. it's a little strange. <laughs> right. It's a little strange. Um, but yes, the wounds. Um, wounds. <laughs> the I don't wounds. even know what to say about wounds. New Orleans set. Horror comedy. It is not possibly horror comedy. It is not written as a comedy. It is definitely written as a comedy. It is not advertised as a comedy. It's either an incredible horror comedy or a terrible horror movie. In my opinion, it is a we. It was because the book, it's based on a book, a novel. um, Novella, I believe. Yeah, I forgot what it's called. It's It's not called. It is not called. Uh, Something about the filth. 
Like, uh, yeah, so in the filth, something with filth. Yeah, I forgot, but um, it is weird fiction. That's what it's classified under. So it's a weird horror film, um, not traditional. And I just don't think because it's a very serious, like especially when you like look at the core of the story and what it's really about. I think it's a it's it's a very serious um, topic, and I, I think because it's listed as a horror and as a drama and as a mystery, there's a I, I just think he missed a mark, but it worked out. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> I think a lot of it was intentional. Right. But, like, also, this is my bias, my New Orleans bias, because, like, Army Hammer's character, he starred in it, and I felt like he was, like, very purposely a Tulane douchebag. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. Like, a basic, oh, yeah. like, Tulane, like, asshole who came to New Orleans and then was just like, ah, I'm just going to chill. Yeah. I'm just going to drink all day. It's a backstory. Uh, so, uh, so uh, Ethan, Mitchell, and I all met at Brooklyn College, and Jordan and I met at Rhino. Uh, one day, uh, when Ethan and Mitch came down to see a Rhino show, we found out that Ethan and uh, and uh, Jordan actually both went to Tulane and had hung out before, so they had a particular yeah. resonance with the New Orleans setting. We yeah. met in a past life. We met in a past life. I only went one year to Tulane, and in that one year, I ran into Jordan through like one mutual friend I think we ended up playing Smash Bros for like yes, we did. a couple hours we played some damn Smash Bros yeah. and Phelps and then we just did, yeah and Phelps and then we didn't see each other for like another like two three years three years right yeah so wow. three or four years damn and then yeah so then we were both you know there was a bunch of like Tulane moments and New Orleans moments that Jordan and I were kind of like having our own little private giggle over but it's true. There's a lot of New Orleans eye contact uh, across the seats from Ethan and Jordan throughout the film. Oh, yeah. And non-New Orleans eye contact. Mm. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, Wounds is easily the most quotable film of the entire weekend. Yes, yes. <laughs> Almost every line is golden. Like the, I would say 90% of the audience was laughing when they were supposed to, and then 40% when they weren't supposed to. Unless you really think the script was that, like... Wait, 90% and 40% is not math. No, 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 I'm saying like 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 forty percent of the audience would laugh when it didn't want you to laugh. Ninety percent would laugh when it did want you to laugh. I think the I'm characters. Not saying, were... I'm not like doing one hundred percent. The characters were too terrible at times for it not to be intentionally funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the lines would you you could not write it and not find it ridiculous. <laughs> Um, the, the, just to round out a little more of the cast, uh, Zazie Beetz makes an appearance. She is legitimately great. Like, whether you think the movie is good or not, she's really good in it. She uh, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Army Hammer, as mentioned before, uh, turns in a, uh, Army Hammer and his dumb face. <laughs> yeah, a tour de force of, uh, comedic proportions. And his wiggly fingers. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, wait, wait, what's the term? It's, uh, His scheming fingers. Yeah, keep an eye out for the scheming fingers when this <laughs> makes its way into theaters, which it will, uh, It's gonna scheme its way into theaters near you. Yeah, I think, I don't know if this is March. accurate, but, yeah, IMDb has it listed as end of March. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Johnson, uh, is there. Uh, <laughs> no, she's good, she, no, she's good, man. She, mm, uh, and then Carl Glessman. Uh, Who did he play? Uh, he was, um, the... the oh, uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, yeah. yeah. He was that guy is great. Yeah. Um, boyfriend. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Carl Glussman is, he got jerked off You've in seen the opening dick. scene of Love. Yep. Mm. Um, he yeah. was also the photographer in uh, The Neon Demon. Mm. Um, Mitchell, as our resident score maestro, how do you uh, rank the score of uh, Wounds? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? For Wounds? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't even... Well, Mitch, re- why don't you start out with your thoughts on the movie? Because you have a very different opinion from us. You just, you know... Well, I don't know. I just... I mean, it was it, it was very funny. I just, in my opinion, I feel like there was, 
more of a, a serious tone there, and and I, I don't I don't think I don't know. I mean, it could have been intentional. It just seems like there was a lot of lazy filmmaking because there are, there are scenes in so many like stupid plot holes that have nothing to do with like adding to the story, like the whole the thing themes? with the breakfast and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of laziness there, which makes me believe that there if if the, that laziness that I spotted there would probably carry on to some of that. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I I don't believe that it was supposed to be that funny. That's fair. There was some lazy stuff. I think. It's it's hard, but the score. I don't even remember the score. So let's just some at some points like the score was distracting. With yeah, how there loud wasn't it was. really anything there. They, it was like, like blast that shit in your ears. There was a lot of minor like maybe there was no real score. No, it's like the sound design. More yeah, than anything it, was there wasn't impressive. a lot of score, so I, I can't say no, not not the, not that good. <laughs> no, if there nope. was one really, <laughs> put that on the DVD box. I guess if I was trying to describe the film also for people who are still confused, <laughs> it's definitely like a cross between The Big Lebowski and John Dies at the End, if you've ever seen John Dies at the End. And The Room, if you've seen The Room. There are some room moments. <laughs> I don't know if there are room moments. Yeah, there are some room moments. Once again, I feel like it just it really comes down to how you feel about the movie overall. <laughs> I still had a, fl- I still had a blast. Whether you or terrible. No, it, yeah, regardless of what you think, it was so much yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, because it was also a midnight movie, and it's the perfect midnight movie to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can see this with a crowd late at night when oh, you've had a few drinks, like, that's the the best best way to see it. It was yeah, very funny. I've never smoked marijuana before, but if you do that, <laughs> okay. I think I think you would want to do that before this film. Jordan's voice tells me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there were a couple walkouts on this movie. Uh, yeah, right in front of us. Yeah, it was, yeah. like, three or four. Yep. Uh, yeah. I guess I don't blame them, but... I do. They it very, was still fun. I know. Authentic sweat stands. Oh, Army Hammer has some great sweating in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like two shirts <laughs> that he wears throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Did like you there, say Dakota Johnson also? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like there are things like that. Even, <laughs> even that, that, uh, that whole armpit thing that happened, like uh, this thing with armpits that goes on throughout the Like that doesn't even make sense to me at all or add towards the story in well, any armpits way. Armpits are scary. What, you see what I'm saying though? Like something like that is such a minor... Uh, plot point that was carried throughout, but like, w- what does it really do? I don't know. Yeah, this movie was just Doesn't... really Lynchian in its approach to horror. I don't know what it was. Uh, it was very Lynchian. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lynchian with like a lowercase L for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of describing yeah. it. Uh, good practical effects. Some of the effects are great. Yeah. yeah. Definitely makeup. Makeup's really good. Yeah. I actually enjoyed some of the editing choices too, which were, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of unique. Also, shout out Kermit Burns from Green Book. Uh, oh. <laughs> Why did you tell them who he was in Green Book? Uh, he was the pimiento cheese guy in Green Book. And he was also yeah, you guys know him, featured, right? uh, he spills a drink on Army Hammer in the film. So look out for that. New Orleans, New Orleans actor who I know. <laughs> Very funny guy. Book him in your films. Do you guys think it was authentic to uh, New Orleans overall? I think it, it was for the most part, and then there were a few things that, like, Jordan and I spoke about, like, like they, like, what do you say, muffaletta? Muffaletta, right? Muffaletta. Muffaletta sandwich, like, like, the director was like, what else is New Orleans? Let me throw some muffaletta sandwiches in here, and like, <laughs> you know, but some of the scenery was really, uh, you know, it also, was good. Also, it was like making fun of transplants. Like, a lot of it was mm. just making fun of that idea that, like... <laughs> These people come in and it's like Army Hammer's character gets like a muffaletta and like people don't get muffalettas on a, like, <laughs> no. on a regular basis in New Orleans. And this movie makes it's a, a point of it that he, he always gets muffaletta sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Because Dakota Johnson's character was a Tulane student. Oh, she is such a classic, like, Tulane girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, well, Army Hammer's character also technically was a, a Tulane yeah, student. Yeah. They make a point of uh, of referencing that. They yeah. do. Yeah. They do. There was a fantastic joke yeah. after which he swigs a bottle of bourbon. Mm. A lot of booze. A lot of alcohol. A lot of booze. Movie. The drinking Swing. was very authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Army Hammer does a great bottle pick up and slam down. He's a very good bartender in the film. I enjoy him. Yeah. 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 I would want him as my bartender. Maybe when this movie comes out, they'll do a pop-up where he actually will bartend for you. I would I would love it. Can we curse on this? Do we curse? Yeah, you can curse. I would fucking love that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then he could sign your peaches afterwards. <laughs> Which peaches? <laughs> the ones that him and, him and Timothy Chalamet share in their oh, romantic yes. Uh, encounters yes, yes, yes. of a third kind. <sighs> he would have an Oscar by now if he just ate the peach. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was the thought process of Oscar voters. Like, uh, by the way, spoiler alert for Calling By Your Name. Uh, yeah. Like, it's in the novel, and it's different than the novel. Yeah. But, is, it, is it like an apple? No, he eats the peach in the novel. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, what a lame move, changing that. Yeah, no, it's such a sellout Come move. on. <laughs> Luca Guadagnino, if you're listening, what the fuck? Well, we already know he's a sellout from Suspiria. Did you see Suspiria? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> wow. I just like to talk shit about things I haven't seen. Uh, well, well, so technically Suspiria doesn't exist. Yeah. Because Jordan hasn't seen it. Yeah, it's not in the extended Jordan-free universe. <laughs> Um, right, any other things for, uh, for wounds before we move on? Just go in with it, just go into it, like, just not expecting anything. Just have a good time. It's fun. It's, 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 it's it, I, I think it's the most fun I had this entire weekend yeah, watching a film. definitely. Yeah, if I wasn't tired for We Are Little Zombies, that might have been different, mm-hmm. but I was, like, energized and ready to go for this film. I yeah, we also took down, like, a bunch of pictures of beer right before, which definitely helped. Yeah. I would think. I had been tired for this whole time, so... You're tired right now? Whole time. Yeah, I'm literally trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to fight staying awake the whole trip after the first day, so... <laughs> yeah, the whole trip, I said. I heard you. <laughs> uh, so that's all of our uh, like our more genre movies, I guess, our horror, the horror selections, right? Horror I, I would kind of put We Are Little Zombies in the genre category. You You're know? right. Yeah, do you want to talk about that next now, since we, are, we brought it up? We already did. We did talk about it. That was the first one we talked oh, about. Am I dumb? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. I don't know. Did we go like in depth about it or did we? We did, sort of. Well, it's hard without spoiling it, so. That's true. That's true. I will say, if I forgot to say this before, We Are Little Zombies has one of the coolest, like, semi intro sequences. I think it's like after the opening scene. It has this amazing animated intro sequence that's mind blowing. Yeah. Overall, I think we said this um, uh, yesterday. Like, I think every film we saw had a great opening sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all of them. Um, I feel like we should move on to, should we do the souvenir? Uh, yeah, we can do that. That one, World Dramatic? Yeah, unanimously. Yeah, a British film? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the jurors, uh, voted for that, uh, for the, like, the, like, guess the, the, what, what's the name of the award? Grand Jury World, World Dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the jurors were, I believe, Damien Chazelle, Tessa Thompson. Jane Campion. Was is there someone else or is it just there? There's a there are a couple more, but there more, but those are like the the big name. No, yeah. And what's big know, is that every single one of them voted for the souvenir. There was no debate. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. I know. Uh, well, you guys. Uh, Which is why I'm so like I, I'm kind of confused why it's so low on your list compared to other films. But hey, uh, no, like I, it's like it felt like I was reading a novel. Honestly, that's an amazing way of putting it. Yeah. Like it was like it was good and I enjoyed it and it makes me think a lot. 
Uh, but, like, as a cinematic experience, it wasn't, like, one of my most fun films at the festival. But, like, I think it was great, <laughs> and I think it deserves all the praise that it gets, and I have no qualms with it, and mm-hmm. thought it was great. Right. Yeah. I think it's fine. Uh, I would Whoa. agree. I, would, I fall somewhere between Mitch and Jordan. I think I, like, I really liked it, and I think it's really, really well directed, and, and I thought it was tightly written, and then I found out, according to Mitch, that apparently, like, 90% of the dialogue was Like, 80-75. A lot of the long... <clears throat> Uh, dialogue sequences that you see uh, throughout the movie were yeah. were improvised, um, yeah. which which makes it even that much more impressive because the dialogue was one of the big highlights there. Yeah, it's it just also absolutely incredible Spitfire dialogue and just just really good. It felt really genuine too. Everything extremely they were saying. that was one of the most authentic films I've seen in a while. Like that's why I loved it so much because I I felt like it really truly depicted like the time period correctly. Uh, the takes shr- place in the nineties, the eighties, eighties, right? Yeah, 80s, the, you know 80s, the, yeah. the the struggles yeah. of of everyone of that time and and the, and the period of the time and 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 uh, well, she's a film student in there, so oh, some of the film a- student scenes, like since three of us and Jordan. Also, like, involved in film production and stuff. Like, I'm we, a film student. Are you a film student? No, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, just, sure, yeah, yeah. So four film students here. We all agree that, like... That, I don't know why I said Ethan that. Ethan is digital media shaming Jordan no, right I'm now. Not. It's, like, it's like the whole dentist is not a doctor. <laughs> well, it's true. Um, yeah, it's no, but we all, we all agreed that the film student stuff was, like, insanely accurate. Like, yeah. every single thing that the director... What was her name? We should give a shout-out to her. Oh, uh, yeah, Joanna Hoag. Yeah, she did an amazing job. And the and, lead yeah. was Tilda Swinton's daughter. Yeah, um, something Swinton something. Yeah, it's, it's Honor Swinton. <laughs> oh, really? Her last name is Swinton. Her <laughs> no, real name is Swinton. Uh, so, so, yeah, so, no, no, no. She was credited as, what's her name? Honor Swinton Byrne. Oh, who's Honor Swinton Byrne. Wow, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, but Tilda Swinton is also, she actually plays her mother in the film. And that's, yeah, a, her real mother. That's, I think that's my favorite part about it, is like their relationship is, like all the relationships with the characters is, are very authentic, but that one especially is yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, th- I thought it showed uh, romance really authentically as well, and like just the relationships yeah. uh, in general. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know, I, I loved it. And the cinematography was uh, Cinematography incredible. was amazing. It was Absolutely. shot all on film, it looked great. It yeah. looked amazing, yeah. And, um... <laughs> I thought it tied together really well. I don't know. I just really, really liked it. Did we get the synopsis really already? No. Okay. We did not. What is the official synopsis? Who wants to go for that one? Uh... All right, I'll do it. Um, the Souvenir is about a uh, film student living in England in the early 80s, which we established. Um, and she is directing a feature, uh, as it seems like her thesis project, right? And she just is involved in this relationship with a very a interesting... A toxic man, we could say, and it just kind of shows how that tangles with her her film studies and and all that. And uh, it also, uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, right? That it sets up for part. Yeah, there's two? a sequel. There's a sequel already. It's part coming. of the marketing. So yeah, they announced it like way early. Mitch Mitch announced that he loves spoiling things for us. Yeah, so. Robert Pattinson is going to be featured in the sequel. Yeah, yeah. So if you uh, if you felt okay or whatever about it, uh, hold out because Robert Pattinson will come in and save the day. Yeah, Jordan and I also had very different experiences watching this from Brendan and Mitch, because without spoiling anything, for an about like forty five minutes to an hour of the movie, would you say? Yeah, right? yeah. We both thought that something was happening in the movie and it wasn't. So well, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. Maybe, maybe yeah. we'll see. 
Uh, and I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to have that same experience because a couple people we spoke to after did too. Mm-hmm. I, I talked to somebody uh, in a screening about the film and she was just like, yeah, I like don't know what the souvenir is. And I, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think it's just like the past from your relationships and like all of the emotional trauma in your life and like what you take with you. And she's like, wow, I never saw it that way. And she, then she thanked me for giving her a different reading. Of she was it. like, she was like, I never saw it that way in the last five minutes since I saw the movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's good, uh, good cast. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a slow burn. It's definitely a slow burn, but it's really well written and, and the, uh, it's got a really good soundtrack too. A lot of great 80s songs yeah, in there. Yeah. Um, also like, I feel so dumb because, like, a lot of the time during wa- when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, like, wow, this girl's really holding her own against Tilda Swinton. Like, I wonder if she's nervous when she's doing <laughs> these scenes with her. Because I didn't know until the end that it was her real daughter. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She does kill it. Yeah. Yeah, she's super good in her first role. Yeah. Tom- this is her first role? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's great. Uh, Tom Burke, who uh, plays Anthony, who is the top. Anthony. Man. Oh, my Anthony? God. It's he Anthony. Is, yeah, he, he is fantastic. Sweeney Todd reference. Oh, he almost, like, shines maybe even a bit more than she does in my opinion like some of he's like amazing some of, yeah some of like especially the long like dialogue scenes longer extended ones are so good and, and he delivers it so well and so authentically I, I yeah just, he's like the definition of a great supporting character like in he kills it he kills it yeah and uh knowing that a lot of it is improvised there are a, a, a couple of scenes where it starts in one place and ends in a totally different place that are like very very interesting yeah. uh, specifically between him and uh, honor, Swinton, burn. Yee. I said it slow because I was not sure exactly that. You had to name check right. the name mid name. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but overall, <laughs> pretty good movie. What else do we yeah. have on our list? Uh, the... We have uh, One Child Nation, uh, which we saw today. This was the only documentary we saw. Oh, no, we know, no, no, love and Yeah, yeah. That's well, One Child Nation. Uh, I'm surprised because I feel like the other documentary would make you think that it was the only documentary we saw because it was so good, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, One Child Nation was... Uh... Well, what... I, really, I, I really like One Child Nation. First off, I learned so much about a topic that I, I knew very little about. And and it and about just, like, the full-on, like, damage that the One Child policy had on China. And, like, how many millions of people it destroyed. And, and just how, like, just made me a little more pessimistic about the world. Because it's just so messed up. It's so messed up what they do to all these people. And what they're continuing to do today, uh, now that they have this new two-child policy. Spoiler alert for the end. No, of if you know, I mean, any basic history, it's uh, you know. Um, so yeah, I I thought it was incredibly well done. I mean, yeah, sure, it wasn't the most original documentary. I I mean, in terms of like how it was directed and cin- and cinematography wise, but I think what was there was a story for me, and I I don't know, it got me got me pretty sad. Yeah, almost. Uh, Jerked a few tears here or there. <laughs> Weird verbiage, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Jerking them tears, bitch. Um, Jerk them. It should also be noted that One Child Nation won the Juror Award for Best Grand Documentary. Jury, yeah. Yeah, Grand, Grand Jury, Jury. yeah. Grand Jury, yeah. For U.S. competition, which was weird, because... It really felt like an, uh, an international film. Though. I mean, it's very best about China. Like it's, it's yeah. it, like in it, like the stuff that Mitch was alluding to. It, it like it, it like the subject matter affects the entire like generation, like like generations of Chinese uh, people. Like in, millions, like not yeah. even the kids that were affected that were killed by the policy, but the kids that were born, the the families. I mean, everything. It's just it's it's awful. Yeah. It felt very much like uh, the reason why it did so well, at least to me, oh, was yeah. that it was the parallels to Trump and Republicans and in what like, way? 
Just like going into propaganda and just like believing that everything they say is right and like not questioning anything. Well, I, I, th- I think it's, I mean, sure, we can, I, you can compare it. I just, I wouldn't agree on that. Just because China is is no comparison to the United States in terms, it's still it's still it's still a communist play, a regime, and the propaganda and news is all one sided. They don't have any. There is no freedom of press over there at all. I would actually I would agree with Jordan though because I think that while that's true, it's like not a direct you know one to one comparison. Like there are a lot of elements of of America right now. That, yeah, we can loosely compare it, but no, I don't, but yeah, well, there's also a lot of stuff in in the the film that's not just about the one child policy, but like about the really conservative views that, like, the, the men, the older men in the village take towards women and stuff, and I feel like that reflects very closely to American society, too, with a lot of older men and how they feel about women in, in the country. But yeah. uh, There were a bunch of significant propaganda songs that made appearances huh. throughout the film that yeah. were... Not subtle at all. No, the they, lyrics are really just right right in your face. Yeah, they, they need to get a better lyricist for those can propaganda you, songs. Can you do a little sample, Brendan? Uh, something along the lines of, like... Uh, don't have one child, have two, that's good. Then well, see, once that's again, sad. it's a spoiler territory. I thought we already covered that's basic history. <laughs> I <Yeah>. guess. <laughs> two child policy. <laughs> Alright, fine. Right, I'll do a different hit. Uh, do the one with the kid, with the Oh yeah, so, the hair. Uh, it, you can only have one kid. If you have more than one, you will be arrested. This yep. is a warning. Yeah, and obviously he, he, sang, <laughs> he sang it all in Chinese in the movie, and those were the subtitles, so... You know, I don't know if it was lost in translation, but that is literally what it translated yeah. to. Um, I definitely was more in the uh, pro for the film camp. Uh, I did enjoy. It. I think it was a, a a bit long. I think there was a, a bunch of repeated beats that uh, could have been condensed to be yeah. a more effective film. I will say, I think it was a bit long at an hour and twenty five minutes. It, it felt long. It, <laughs> it felt really long. Uh, I will say that I think one of the strengths of the film is the director who actually it's, it's co-directors it is Nanfu uh, Wong who was, okay. who was uh, I mean she's a Chinese uh, she was like born in China and she was yeah. affected by this uh, just like, like a lot of people from China and also uh, Lin Zhang was also one of the co-directors uh, mm. but one of the things the strengths that the film does is uh, for a lot of the talking head, head segments because it's a, it's a very emotional subject matter for the people who are being interviewed and there's a lot of times where after the interviewer is done asking questions, they will hang on the subject for like, like maybe like 10, 15 seconds afterwards and you get like the most emotional parts of their reaction just in their silence. That was a nice touch. I actually hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it like that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get to Love Antosha, any other films, and Velvet Buzz. Uh... Good boy. Oh, Honey Boy. Yeah, we can't. Oh, yeah, that. totally. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. And, and Bella Bus, I think, will take a good amount of time because we're going to really dive in, right? We oh, already are. Shit. We're diving in right now. We're back. Oh, we're back. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes podcast hosts will just turn it on, try to get some <laughs> candid convos. The inner so machinations of next? the podcast. What are we diving into? Let's dive into our other documentary we saw, Love Antosha. Oh, I think this no. was. Was this the only straight cry everybody had? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This that was, was bad. I, I, I mean, like, I, I'm pretty sure the last 15, 20 minutes, like, I, I like, kind of held on to my face because my lips started to tremble, and I think I was going to break out into, like, a full-on, like, make a noise cry. Like, having having like, sat stop. next to Mitch during the movie, I can confirm that he was making, like, heaving noises towards I, the I, end I, of yeah, it. Yeah, I had to, like, breathe. Yelchin, by the way. I was, I that's was, all you need to know. <laughs> I was trying to keep my composure, and that's why I was breathing heavily, so I didn't break out into, like, a sob in a quiet theater like that. Yeah. It was bad. Like, I, the whole time, I was just... The whole time. The whole time. Sorry. I was just, like, <laughs> yeah, just, sorry. like, legitimately crying like crazy. 
And my eyes were super bloodshot afterwards. Yeah, it was good fun. Anton Yelchin reference in that sense. Which one? He was crying like crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was devastating. Oh my lord. Uh, well, I'll get into it later, but yeah. Yeah, but the, the, so the basically the film chronicles uh, the life of Anton Yelchin from when he was a little kid uh, to his uh, untimely death, and it features a bunch of interviews with actors and directors that he worked with, and a lot of uh, footage of him from. Uh, a mix of stuff when he when he was a little kid, and also just like self tapes of him, and letters that he wrote, and it's like it's letters that he wrote narrated by Nicolas Cage. Mm, yes, that was incredible. Uh, but overall, like the like you, I, I think when you watch Anton Yelchin, you can already like tell how great a person he is. But then you watch this movie, and you're like, no, he's like the one one of the greatest human beings. He was like perfect, like yeah. in almost every way. It's crazy. Yeah, Chris Evans has some amazing interviews. But not, not in this film. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's Chris Pine. Of course not. There are too many fucking Chris's. To be fair, Chris Evans is on screen for a good three seconds. In the Wait, film. what? When? In, in one of the behind the scenes uh, episodes, <laughs> or, or footage of like one of the films, he, I think, I think oh, it was the Kristen Stewart film, whatever film uh, Kristen Stewart did with, uh, with Anton, Chris Evans is shown hugging Anton. Really? Yeah. I actually, I, I, I did not that. see that either. Very briefly. Yeah, um, I saw it. I was paying yeah, attention very did. closely. Sure I, I definitely do not confuse all of the Chris's besides Chris Pratt. I know Chris Pratt very well. Yeah. But Jordan, sorry, what were you saying about Chris Pine? Oh, he had some <laughs> of the best uh, like documentary interviews. Yeah, and you could tell that he, he genuinely loved Anton. And mo- and pretty much everyone... Also, Jennifer Lawrence had good ones. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, in a shockingly genuine <laughs> interview for her, she was... Yeah, yeah, she was crying. Like, she was crying. And John Cho had a... A couple of nice oh, yeah, Ben Foster, like ev- yeah. every single person in there, Foster, clearly yes. just like loved Anton Yelchin and, and would, were all devastated. Yeah, but really, the, like, like, like all those interviews are great, but the heart of it really is a, a lot of it has to do with Anton and his relationship with his parents, specifically his mother, uh, Mamula, 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 Papula, and there are some like heartbreaking, especially like, when you know what happens. There are some very heartbreaking moments where. Even at Anton's worst, where he, like, there's one part in the film where he uh, acknowledges that he got into a fight with his mother, and he, like, sends this heartfelt letter to her, just, like, saying how much he loves her, and, like, he was just so full of love, and there's, and there's so many great segments where it's, he, like, he, he was just so full of love, and everyone, and people who interacted with him definitely felt that, uh, as for the people who watched the film also felt that as well. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were easy waterworks, and, like, it, it takes a lot for a movie to make me cry, and... The last 15 minutes of this movie is just like, every single frame of it is heartbreaking. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it also, it's, uh, it, it says a lot about people uh, as artists and what it means to be ambitious as an artist. Because Anton Yelchin, uh, I didn't know this, but he was basically a, a genius, like a literal genius. Because they have... His whole life. Yeah. They, they have segments where they have either letters or video of him when he is like a little boy. And he, he's like doing Hamlet monologues on camera, and he has these in-depth uh, analysis of like, Fellini and Cassavetti's films that are just, like, way beyond his years. Yeah, it was just wonderful to watch him. It was just very, interest- like, inspiring and interesting yeah. as a creative person to, like, want to create more, because he, like, used all of his time... Oh yeah, in twenty seven years he's he's done more than like all four of us combined. It's yeah. crazy. Mitch says that he's giving up YouTube. Yeah, nobody <laughs> believes me, but I don't know. It was just it was a very like life changing documentary because I was just sitting there the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> oh my yeah. you know I'm Have some I, respect for Anton Yeltsin. No, but but Anton Yeltsin loves that movie. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just kept thinking about like because there, there's 
there's like a, a strong parallel because uh, a little, little quick backstory. Not gonna jump into anything crazy, but uh, it's sort yeah. of the same story with um, my mother and how she came to this country because she's also Russian and she came into America with like no money or anything like that. And so he's like, you know, it definitely changes like your. Well, at least made me so much more grateful for what she's done. But also, I think like the way that he, you know, approached life and he really lived everything to the fullest and 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 it just you know, made me want to not sort of waste my time, especially for everything that like, you know, our parents do and my mother's done for me and like gave, gave me all these opportunities to do whatever I wanted, you know, it makes me, that's why I was like, after the film, I was just like, I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm going to set a parental block on YouTube, have my mother <laughs> set a password and I'm never going to go on it again and waste time again and just really focus on moving forward. Cause it's really about, you know, living life and, and making every single moment count and not wasting it. Cause it's really, it's it's quite precious and 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 it's it's very sad because he's the whole time he's he's battling. Go ahead, Brendan. The whole time. Well, I'm sure if if you know Anton, you would know he has uh, cystic fibrosis, and you know, and so he to know that you're gonna probably die at a certain age, and and the life expectancy was like thirty seven and a half. Old. Yeah, and so like to know that you're gonna die at a certain point, and to still you know constantly live like that, I don't know. It's just very inspiring, and it says you know a lot about taking things for granted because you know it's like a just just the odds of us even existing is is slim so i don't know it's very very life-changing for me yeah, very, very life-changing and I, i'm gonna stick by it you'll see that the youtube no, the not. youtube yeah, yes we'll, i will we'll update yeah uh one of the other things that really resonated with me in the film as like as much as we're all talking about how much we love anton yelchin and how the people who are in the film loved him he had a lot of like he he himself doubted himself in a lot of ways and always felt like he wasn't doing enough and that he wasn't as good as he could have been and his career wasn't as good as it was. But then you listen to these people who uh, who worked with him and they all respected him so much. Especially, there were a couple instances where a lot of older actors or older directors... Yeah, they had Martin Landau, who's a like a fucking legend, like was talking about how he he like revered Anton Yelchin. Yeah, like they, he saw him as him as like an equal contemporary to him just because he was so mature and so smart and open. Also, he just had this attitude about acting where he was literally like, yeah, I'll be in anything. And you got to see every single, almost every single one of his roles and just like the nuances that he added into sometimes these basic ass roles. And then he yeah. would just drive a film based off of his ability to attract attention from the camera. Yeah. yeah. A- after the film, we all kind of acknowledged that like two, well, a couple things. One, that we all need to call our mothers and tell them how much we love them, but also <laughs> that we need to watch more of Anton Yelchin's films because. Like, I know for myself, there was probably, like, like, at least half the films they showed I had never seen or, like, didn't even really hear before. And then uh, you find out that he, in his 27 years, did 69 films. Well, films and TV. And, yeah, films and TV. Episodes, yeah. A few episodes of TV here and there. Yeah. Uh, and he... Uh, going he to totally did 69 films and TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going, going to Jordan's point, though, uh, he... Yeah! <laughs> yeah! New drinking game. Um, he, like... Because Anton Yelchin definitely signed on and did bad... Like like bad or like films that didn't have. Brendan's scripts. doing air quotes for yeah. people oh, who are listening to this. Yeah, um, and uh, but he but Anton Yelchin always made the projects that he did better just because he was so uh, he just always gave a hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, one thing that like like besides the fact that how amazing he was as an actor and everything, but this film really painted a great portrait of like the the potential that we all lost because he was working on his own film, he was writing, he wanted to direct. And he had easy another like 10, 15 years where he could have just been giving us like great films and 
all this body of work that we'll just we'll never have now because of some awful freak accident. Because of fucking Jeep. Fuck you, Jeep. You will never sponsor this podcast, Jeep. <laughs> I don't care how much money you give us. You killed Anton Yelchin and will never be okay with no, it. Jordan, uh, Jeep's calling right now. <laughs> they're, just, yeah. they're very unhappy. <laughs> and that that's what made it so much more like, you know, you really, you never know what could happen and how, how fragile life is. Because if you look at like the, like the statistics behind like how he died... And the fact that well, it was one in a hundred thousand, one in a hundred thousand that were recalled that had the issue. Not to mention that he only died because he had a condition and he couldn't yeah, breathe. Because, yeah, because the car barely pressed, like it's like a small dent in the gate. It barely pressed him against the gate that he got pinned between, and he just lost his. He couldn't. He already had trouble breathing, and that's what led to his death. Yeah, which it's is, unbelievable. It's insane yeah. to think that he not only had an extremely rare autoimmune disease, and then he had a car that was. Recall that was extremely rare to even own. Of the millions of Jeeps that are in circulation, like a hundred thousand. To then like randomly be pinned between a gate somehow standing in that one position and that it's just it's it's insane. So like you never know. You know, one day everything's great, the next it's gone and then you know, crazy so Chris Hemsworth had a very good quote about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh yeah, so it that was Christoph Waltz actually. The film itself, it like it has it, like hits every emotional button. You, like you'll laugh at certain points. Uh, oh, uh, is this is this a spoiler? The stuff that he did in, in L.A. Like his. I mean, his it's a documentary, life. so like I feel like almost none of it is a spoiler. Well, I don't even know if people knew that. Like I had no idea. So I don't even know if, the cystic fibrosis. No, not the condition, but he's talking about the L.A. thing. Yeah, so just like to allude to what we're talking about. Uh, he uh, other than being a great actor, he was horny. Uh, and <laughs> he was Yelchin, and he was honest about it. Like there was a lot of dry, like diary entries where he was very candid about his uh, his hormonal feelings in general. But uh, he he was an artist in uh, you know a, a couple of different ways because he was very in tune with the uh, like the LA art scene and would uh, go out and take photos of like what was it, like like sex clubs, right? Weird sex cl- and he was like like seventeen years old and yeah. like going to like these like dark. LA sex clubs and taking pictures, taking yeah. pictures and, and staging these things. You'd hire people on Craigslist. It was crazy. Yeah, and he became well known as being someone who would always have good stories that he could tell to his fellow actors when they yeah. were on set yeah. together. His he older was, actors who were just like they couldn't believe the shit he was saying to them as a seventeen-year-old kid. Yeah, he was always doing something. Even there's a good thing with where where uh, who was he on set with again? Uh, it was Chris Pine as well, I think, and he was doing uh, playing playing guitar. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that like, was Chris Pine. Yeah. yeah, I know. And so they were playing guitar together, and like he knew so much about guitar, and he knew that like he did everything. He was in a band with his friends. He was in a band. He would literally show up and play random shows like on his off time. Like nobody even knew about it. It was unannounced. He'd go to a random club and play with like some of his friends in a band whenever he could. And I mean, he would do whatever. He literally made the best of every single moment. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it's you know that's it, it's just crazy because. If you know, it's if that's what it takes to have an autoimmune disease in order to live life to the fullest, it's it's a shame. Yeah. So anyone here uh, who wants to know how to be successful, just get cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So overall, like, or we, don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Uh, <laughs> don't but then there's there's a part where he does talk about how he hopes that pe- <laughs> that, that like kids or other people who have cystic fibrosis are inspired by him uh, to be able to live their lives. Yeah. Even and he was inspired by them too. Yeah. He said, like, yeah. On his down days, he saw kids who. We're fighting through it, and he 
took strength from that. Which he did is like every. He amazing. did everything. Yeah. He, like he was yeah. constantly, constantly, constantly fighting, and so. Yeah, Garrett Price is the director, by the way. And he he put together like a really exceptional documentary. Yeah, besides the fact that the subject is incredibly interesting, like it's just a really, really well made movie. Yeah. Also, yeah. definitely check out Thoroughbreds if you haven't. Yeah, his That's last film. His la- is that his? Last I think it's role? his last role. I yeah, his last released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, just a little backstory too. We almost didn't see this film. This was kind of like a last an minute edition. Yeah, I think. Well, Brendan and I saw. Oh, sorry. Wait, I thought you were talking about Thoroughbreds because <laughs> we also weren't going to see that, and then we had That's to. That's true. Well, yeah. Ventosha was an accident. Uh, yeah, happy accident. If we had accidentally scheduled a film. On Mitch the says we, we. He means he. I did. Okay, whatever. Uh, that that we uh, that we <laughs> scheduled like to to see when we flew in, but we didn't realize we had to pick up tickets and the box office is closed. Is so that we word again? I got anyway. I got lucky and they exchanged a film, and I just off the cuff decided since we talked about it a little bit to pick Love and Tosha, and it just not it's funny if you saw the original film. We were and we ended up yeah. seeing that. So, <laughs> but the fact that the fact that we did like it wasn't going to be there, and we did, and now it ended up being my number one film, yeah. which is no major props to Mitch for for making the call. Like, and yeah, I'm very that. very happy we saw that. Because it was amazing. Yeah. Which was also the navigator and the booker of this whole fest. Of everything. Yeah, if you and this is like not even a joke. Like if if anyone wants to like get real insider info, like contact Mitch. Like um, you know whatever. But yeah, uh, I'm pretty cheap with my rates. <laughs> yeah, a hundred dollars a minute. No, but he yeah he, he he's great. He can he can really walk you through the process. Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, this we all unanimously love this film. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it so much. Yeah. And if you don't cry during this movie, then you're, you're fucking soulless. soulless. Yeah. I don't know how you, like, it's impossible. It is literally impossible. Yeah. All right, another film, the next one is another universally loved film by all of us, which was our last film selection of Sundance, uh, which was... Luckily. Honey Boy. Yes. Honey yeah. Boy. That was not the theme song. That was the theme song. <laughs> it was, yeah. Written and performed by... Honey Boy. <laughs> also known as... Jordan Freed. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Or, uh, or his real name, Otis, he actually changed it to Shia. Uh, who wants to give a synopsis of Honey Boy? It's a personal story of Shia LaBeouf's and his relationship basically with his father, in short, uh, from childhood to the point that he had checked into rehab. Um, and, and also yeah, how he de- deals with PTSD. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, essentially, yeah. that's just basically his relationship with his father and then how it affected him and just kind of navigating through that time, um, pretty much. Yeah, it's very intense, very sad film as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to come back to it, but... Yeah, uh, great performances overall. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, it's good to see him back doing good work. He's phenomenal playing his own father in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. That and was you could tell it was just, like, the most personal thing he's ever done. Intense, I can only imagine, you know. Yeah, and then Lucas Hedges, like... <laughs> it kills it. He, and, you know, Lucas Hedges, like... I don't know, some people were saying that, like, he, he plays a similar role in, like, almost everything, but, like, he is amazing and very different from anything he's ever done in this one. Um, he, like, nails the Shia LaBeouf. No, Every no, 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 no. He nails That's the voice, he nails the mannerisms, and, and, yep. and like the motions, and the, everything was like on point. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated all the acting in this film. Yep. The multi-dimensional LaBeoufs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of LaBeoufing going there on. There was so much LaBeoufing in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yes, and uh, Noah Jupe, who we mentioned before, is like definitely the standout of the film. Like, There's a lot of great role, uh, like a lot of good acting, but... Noah Jupe as like a younger Shia LaBeouf circa even Stevens ish time uh, yeah. is is a is a revelation. Yeah. I mean, he's he, I I for me at least he gave the best performance in the movie and he's acting against Shia LaBeouf and Lucas Hedges and like you know he's really 
already well-known actors, but he's he's fantastic. Yeah. You could kind of look at Honey Boy next to Love Antosha and be like, all right, so Love Antosha is what happens when you have very supportive parents. Oh, and yeah. Honey Boy is what happens when you... <laughs> yeah. Well, Shia LaBeouf's father is supportive just in his own, like, twisted, dark way. Mm, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, if you did... I mean, Shia may not... <laughs> I mean, yeah, Shia may not have been where he was without his father in a strange way, even though, you know, it was quite abusive, but... I guess without him, right? Who would? Because he constantly pushed him, and he kept them on point. So yeah, we wouldn't have holes. Without yeah, him. we may have not. You know, Shia may not be where he is without it because his mother. Don't know what his mother's up to, but yeah. Uh, FKA Twigs also uh, is another supporting character in the film who gives a very good <laughs> performance. Uh, She's like a British musician, I believe. Something. Yeah, not yeah. an actor, but. I also just want to give a quick disclaimer that this movie is marketed as having uh, Micah Monroe in it. And I think she was on screen for like four seconds, and she has no lines. So do not watch this movie from Micah Monroe. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's it's an incredibly meta movie, mm-hmm. uh, and those are some of the best parts for me. We're getting to watch Shia LaBeouf act against Shia LaBeouf, essentially, <laughs> uh, and and also uh, there's uh, there's some like very cause it, it, it's a very dramatic. It's actually a lot more dramatic than I thought it was. I, I was gonna be yes. a lot more light and funny, uh, which I, I mean it, it works. Like it, it, I'm glad that it was the tone it was. Yeah. And there was a great like undertone of humor. Yeah, which, which you know sometimes really worked well. Yeah, cause... it was a weird line to tell because it Shia was. LaBeouf is like kind of a joke to society in certain ways, and yeah. they're like, oh, Shia LaBeouf does this crazy stuff. Shia LaBeouf did this. Shia LaBeouf yeah. did that. And it was like, okay, well, you guys have been talking shit about Shia LaBeouf. This is why Shia LaBeouf is Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also, I think it, it just, like, makes you love Shia LaBeouf. Like, yeah. I don't know. If he didn't win you over yet with all that crazy shit, like, this movie might do it. Yeah. Uh, Most famously, he just, like, wrote his, co- like, GPS coordinates on Twitter and just told somebody to pick him up and drive him places. And then he did that for, like, a month or two. <coughs> where he would just travel around the country hitchhiking. Yeah, yeah, he went through a really odd phase in general. Yeah, he also he did had, that stunt where he screened every movie he's ever been in 24-7 at the Angelica Film Center. He did that That's weird the thing, Angel- then he did that... <laughs> that was uh, the Angelica, the, 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 the paper bag over his head. The paper bag over his head. Then he did that weird like uh, social experiment with the camera up all the time, like something, what was it again? It was at the Museum of Movie Yeah, yeah then he had like... He, will not he, had, he got sued. He had an yeah. issue, no, but he also had an issue there because he had like assaulted someone there while I was on Yeah, and that quote-unquote assault is like like him like... Telling a guy to pack off. I know, but in general, like he, he's he's definitely was very lost. He he was like yeah, just yeah, yeah. all over the place. He also got sexually assaulted in a performance art. Right? Oh, where when, he was yeah. like, do whatever you want to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't That's know what weird. he was c- certainly. <laughs> yeah, it clears up a lot about him. So yeah. you know, you kind of know where yeah. why he is definitely the way he is. Yeah. yeah, but it's great that he made this movie because it seemed like it was therapy for him, and hopefully, yeah, it's it's a release because. He just got out of rehab, and hopefully this movie was was him kind of like expelling the demons, and you know I would I would love to see more LaBeouf. Yeah, uh, there one of the uh, the components of it that I really enjoyed was because I, I didn't know anything about his father, and I, I the whole thing of his father being a, I guess like a he's like a rodeo clown I guess right yeah, yeah rodeo yeah. clown and uh, so there's this whole thing where like a lot like there there there, there are a couple of scenes where uh, his father is essentially coaching him for uh, uh, one of the shoots that, that he's going to go and do on set like the following day and trying to coach him in you know, like the best ways of being funny and that was an interesting dynamic and they play with the the appearance of uh, Shia LaBeouf's father in a very fun and cinematic way. Yes.
Yeah, it it was very cool how in the film they talked about how he was going to have to confront his past in a lot of ways, and then he literally played his father <laughs> to confront all of his childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we were kind of talking about this before, uh, uh, like, because he in in the Q and A afterwards he alludes to how like he's like yeah I haven't like spoken to my father like, up until recently he hadn't spoken to his father in like six to seven six years. Seven years right? Yeah, and and uh, and it feels like he like. He not only comes to peace with his own, like himself and his own problems and past, but also the his father's problems and his father's past, and like and the like he, I think I think he like gives his father like the benefit of the doubt uh, by the time the film's over. Yeah, he seems to forgive him. He doesn't like demonize him as much as yeah. you would think. You know, he shows instead of showing him as a, like a completely bad character, he shows a lot of his past and his problems that he's going to, and why his father's the way he's his father. So he's definitely sympathizing with his father a lot and not sort of like outcasting him as horrible. Yeah, and there's definitely a dynamic to the film in which Shia La- or the Shia LaBeouf character had Otis. to be the father to his father. Yeah, oh, that's what was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he was the breadwinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and there's a couple of uh, sections where, uh, where child Shia LaBeouf Speaks in a very mature... Child LaBeouf. Yeah, Child LaBeouf speaks to his father in a very mature manner, and it's very believable that he would be that precocious and that uh, that well-spoken. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It, it was definitely... I, I was surprised at how much I liked it. Yeah. Also, yeah. like, underratedly, like, I really like the score. It yeah. was, like, this, like, nice piano melody. They yeah, a lot of, like, and ambient was, stuff. And yeah, whatnot. it was really cool. Like, there was, like, these really nice long shots of them, like, just doing things quietly with his score going. Yeah. Yeah. Screenplay was very good. It's probably the best screenplay at the festival for me. Agreed, yes. Mm. I I do. You're skipping out on Wounds. No. Yeah, (laughs) baby. It's not the best screenplay at all. Wounds was the best comedy screenplay. (laughs) And Honey Boy was the best drama. Yeah. Uh, the way that the, the film was put together uh, was also very smart because it does a lot of uh, playing with timeline. Oh, the editing was fantastic. I loved yeah, it. I loved yeah, it. There's a lot of like, good match cuts between the, the past and the present that is very interesting. Well yeah. done. I also don't really like non-linear films and I enjoyed it. It, it almost wouldn't have worked yeah. any other way, right? Like, yeah. Wait, you don't like non-linear films at all? No, not at, at all, but I feel like people. it's just overused now. Like, I feel like so many people try to do the non-linear film type thing and it's just like overdone and it's like used to kind of trick you and like do weird shit and I feel like this was just like yeah this had to be non-linear yeah it's funny because he says in a QA and a that it was supposed to be well he he had had been written linearly and the director decided to make it non-linear yeah that was which is a great call because actually some of the moment the best moments uh, are probably when they do jump between to like compare the same scene or a same line in one time period to the other. Yeah, I really don't see how it would have worked literally because you wouldn't no. remember these things or think yeah, about them. Yeah, no, no, no. You I, really need to see the the side by side to really connect. It connects, get the it connects it. the effects of the past to the future yeah. much better doing yeah. it that way yeah. than having to remember like yeah. Also, I don't. Oh, sorry. No, no, go you first. I was gonna say I don't think this is a spoiler, but I liked. It felt like a very clear decision to have like no like popping off like obvious like. Like, this is where shit hits the fan for Oh, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, the, a, yeah. like, their relationship never hit, like, a boiling point where you were like, oh, this is just over forever, duh. 
like it was kind of just like this is how their relationship will always be and yeah. it's always going to be toxic and it's never going to change yeah I think no, I definitely think that also like speaks to how genuine it felt because like real life does not have those singular moments you know it's it's yeah. it's that weird like ongoing struggle and yeah yeah Shout out to Martin Starr as a great... Oh, Martin Starr was in this. ...side comedic performance. Like, right? He was there for comedy mostly, right? Yeah. I feel like everything he said was funny. Martin, Martin Starr has a hot? phenomenal beard. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, He's kind of buff too, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think when he did Silicon Valley, that was kind of like the, uh, the star sans. <laughs> when Martin Starr became a star. <laughs> Martin Starr was always a star. Like, if you go back and watch Freaks and Geeks, he's the best part of that show. And um, Party Down is a great Martin Starr featured show. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, Should we get to the grand opus? The uh, the one that... The best film? (laughs) The greatest film ever made, some might say. Uh, We watched this film at Sundance, but you guys could watch it on Netflix. Which is how we watched it at Sundance. (laughs) (laughs) We did not spend the $20 on tickets. (laughs) But it's a Sundance film, and we watched it in Utah. It counts. It's called Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, if you don't know anything about this film, just know that Jake Gyllenhaal is Jake Gyllenhaal. As a character named Morph. Yep. M-O-R-F. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it, is, it is written and directed by Dan Gilroy, and it is about uh, a like the L.A. arts community, I guess. And it, it's kind of like a thriller, mystery... Satire. Satire. Horror. Slasher. Lynchian. <laughs> and it fails Lynchian. at all of these things. Yeah. It is so bad, it is not even funny. <laughs> it is well, it is... Actually, it fails so bad, and it's hilarious. I, at times, yeah. I don't know. I just... I really... It was the most disappointing. I don't know if there'll be a more disappointing film this year, because I expected so much with, like, Jake coming back from Nightcrawler. This is going to be amazing we're gonna have another you know it was awful 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 it was it sucks so bad mitchell was really mad in case you can't tell i hate it (laughs) my god we don't all share this hate no all right well i do (laughs) 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 he's sharing it with america me me, myself and i it's (laughs) definitely a good netflix film Mm, is it? Actually, it's. A <laughs> I think it's the type of thing that you want to watch with your friends and make fun of. Oh we, yeah, we did. Oh, we were having the time <laughs> of our lives watching this movie. I have not laughed this hard in a really long time. Mm. Long time. Because of how stupid it is. I I feel like wounds had intentional humor and this had some unintentional humor. Oh, we, oh my god! Wait, yeah. okay, so we're holding off on spoilers for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're not going to okay, do spoilers. Because okay, okay. the thing is, it's supposed okay. to be satire, but it's such bad satire. And it's such, <laughs> it's, yeah. It is such cheap satire, yeah. and it is so in your face and so it's crap. It also has some of the worst yeah. cinematography I've ever All seen in my life. life. It is and crazy. I think Jordan was the one who mentioned this, and it blew my fucking mind that this is the DP who shot There Will Be Blood, which is one of the most beautifully shot movies ever made. Oh yeah, Robert Elswood, one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. I, I honestly <laughs> don't, I don't think he was working on this movie. I think that he was supposed to, and a friend just did it for him, and he like was like, yeah, just keep my name on it. Or it's terrible. Or friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the budget was limited, and, and he just didn't have... I, I have seen better cinematography from yeah. like million dollar indie films. Or maybe know? Dan Gilroy is just washed up. Maybe he was setting up shots and Dan's I, like, I don't no, think no, no, Nightcrawler don't has great cinematography. Same cinematographer too, right? He did that also? Or? Uh, Nightcrawler? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, it had the cinematography of a TV show. It looked like a TV show, yeah. A network television Which is show. a problem with a bunch of the Netflix originals. It's so, it is such a, yeah, awful film. 
Which, like, I was hoping that that was the the satire a little bit, was that they're making fun of, like, Mm. the fact that all the people who, like, make movies in Hollywood are just, like, these wealthy, like, disconnected people Mm. who are just like, oh, yeah, wow, we need to fight for this work. And then it's like, (laughs) wow, this work is problematic, but we're going to still push it or, like, try to take people down and spread rumors about it. Uh, You give them too much credit. (laughs) <laughs> it, it is Robert Ellswit who did uh, um, Nightcrawler as well yeah I mean that I don't know it, it's just like a high con- it. yeah it's like a high concept Final Destination but, yeah, yeah that, that's that, a good way of but like not it. as fun well yeah. I mean it's fun Final Destination is effective in what it's going for Velvet Buzzsaw but, but, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw is fun because it's not effective in what it's going for yeah I will say uh, there is no doubt that Jake Gyllenhaal is having the time of his mm-hmm. life doing this movie I think he knew it was a comedy. I think, I think he's the only one who knew. I think Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> showed up on set, saw how it was going, and decided to play it as comedy while everyone else was doing whatever the hell they were doing. Like Tony Collette maybe also. Yeah, she Tony was... Tony Collette was... Really uh, yeah, I guess. It, it, I love Tony Collette, and I just... I don't know, she just didn't do it for me. And I don't even blame her. I think I just blame the, the direction and the writing. Yeah, because it, it's a great cast. Because other than Jake Gyllenhaal and Tony Collette, uh, Rene Russo returns with... Uh, uh, Dan Gilroy's wife. Yeah. yeah. John Malkovich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, Billy Magnuson well. is in it. Oh, yeah. Billy Magnuson. Always happy to see him getting work. Yeah. Uh, David Diggs. David Diggs, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Ethan's not sold. He hasn't seen Blind Spotting though, so we'll I'm sure him. he's great, but in this movie... Which I don't blame him for, it's just that, you know. Yeah. Uh, there... Uh, there are some uh, very interesting and creative deaths in the film. <laughs> there are some interesting ideas for deaths that are executed in the most uninteresting way possible. Yeah. Uh, overall, there's probably three good shots in the whole film. <laughs> I rate the deaths like two. Out of ten? Out of ten. I was not a fan of the deaths. Y- yeah, I thought no. they were stupid and came out of nowhere a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, all right, so we're just going to abandon everything that this film has done so far and just make it something totally random. Yep. And I feel like half of the deaths used really shitty CGI. Mm. So, like, it was just really distracting, which we'll get into more in the spoilers, like, what yeah. specifically, but... Yeah. Uh, I much preferred Wounds as CGI and effects. Well, yeah, Wounds actually had some great practical effects, too, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. And some creative violence. Uh, this did not. Every time Jake Gyllenhaal enters a room... It's a revelation. <laughs> just well, happy to be there. Yeah, yeah, he is. Just sucks in a lot of air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we do spoilers, or is there anything else? We can go into spoilers. Spoilers, Aww. spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> if you have not seen Velvet Buzzsaw, turn the damn podcast off. Don't turn it off. Pause it, watch it on Netflix right now. And True. then hit play. True. Good. Honestly, just listen to this while you watch <laughs> the film. This is actually about to begin a two-hour commentary track, a watch-along. <laughs> oh now, if you see right here, there are airplane noises as he tries to finger her. Well, he doesn't try. <laughs> he, he succeeds. He succeeds. Does. He goes right for the landing strip. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Oh, so, so that was like one of the, like, I think that, that's, like, we already knew what kind of movie we were watching as we were watching it, but that kind of sealed the deal. Like, once, because, so, so to give you the setup, um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is, ha- is, is, have, is interacting in a sexual encounter with another character. What was no, we were doing in? spoilers now. Oh, uh, oh yeah, that's right. I don't know. Was, I think it was like her assistant or something like this that. This was also like, t- what, like 20 minutes into the movie or yeah. something? Like. But, but the crazy thing about this is, yeah, she was the assistant and he's he's gay. So he's well, he was bisexual. Bi. Okay, bisexual. Wait, wasn't yeah. that Rene Russo? But he starts... No. Wait, the no. one that he fingered? Wait, who was he fingering? It was uh, yeah, Josephina. Uh, the other yeah. girl. Subway Ashton. Covered in the paint. 
The one who Davy Diggs and her had a thing. Yeah. Wait. My bad. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know who Rene Russo is. Rene Russo is the the older woman who who runs. Yeah, I don't the, know who she is. She's the one with the tattoo on the the velvet. Well, like now side. I know who she now is. Now you know she is, but I didn't yes. know who she was. Um. Yeah. So anyway, he's like bisexual, and then it starts off. He has a boyfriend. This and that. They have like one scene together. Well, it starts off when he doesn't have a boyfriend. He fingers this girl. Yeah. And then it cuts to him naked, completely naked. Oh, with the and boyfriend. his boyfriend walks. But like, over. no, the way it starts too is like they're in a they're in like a, a show together or something like that. Her she gets a call from a friend that her boyfriend just happened to cheat on her and then the next thing you know they're together and he's like well, you make me so confused and they're having sex this, this movie's also very quotable uh not necessarily in good ways no. a no. lot of good jake gyllenhaal butt yeah yeah there was some good butt in there yeah. jake gyllenhaal. i gotta say i'm this might be controversial it looked a bit flat to me <laughs> the butt the butt, mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, the movie looked very flat. I'm not. That's it not is. controversial. Yeah. But Jake Gyllenhaal, you would think he'd have more of a toned. It's more the lighting. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. the lighting. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a burp. Uh, yeah. So the tattoo was dumb. The tattoo. I think that it could yeah, have been it was really a, cool. Yeah, I thought it was a cool kill, but it was also like, how did that have anything to do with the film? Oh, also the title Velvet Buzzsaw was like, oh, she was in a band called Velvet Buzzsaw. Like, what? That is so, I thought it was going to be so much more like original. <laughs> yeah. And like using that title somehow in the film, that was like, oh, that's that's creative. But the fact that she has a tattoo that says Velvet Buzzsaw, and like she only got it because she was in a band. Maybe? Yeah, and that has literally no, no connection nothing. to anything in the movie. It's just, it was literally... Said so that we can, like, it can be on her. Like, yeah. it was the most lazy writing in the world. It was very Lynchian. <laughs> it was quite Lynchian. Yeah. Would you say, Mitch, lowercase or uppercase? L? Just no L. It was Inchian. Inchian. Yeah, just, just to give you guys some insight into why we're referencing uh, the term Lynchian so much, uh, <laughs> it started becoming a, uh, a, uh, a trend with a lot of the reviews on Letterboxd for the films that. Not just Letterboxd, like, this was like. In like general. Variety, Hollywood Reporter, like every review we Five read of a movie films. from Sundance was Lynchian. Yeah, and then we started realizing that like if a film is kind of like sometimes all over the place or confusing, <laughs> they, they, they just chuck it up to being uh, like a it's Lynchian. Lynchian. Yeah. Sorry guys, but you can't be Lynchian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Just to clarify also, like there's a scene when he fingers a girl and as he's putting his hand into her pants, there's a, a, a sound of an airplane taking off, and you expect it to cut to an airport, and it doesn't. It cuts to a cat staring at a fish. It has, there's no airplane. <laughs> that so sound effect yeah. is strictly for his hand entering a woman's vagina. So oh, Dan Gilroy was just like, this is what I want, like, as his hand goes, there <laughs> needs to be an airplane noise as it goes into her pants, because that's appropriate. There are some very questionable decisions. That Although, are cat looking at a fish, that feels like, that's a good metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, I can't have this. But Jake can have it. But he can't. But he, but he can't. Yeah. Because uh, he wants more and more because he's in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Elitist. Every, all the deaths were just so like, uh, you know what's coming and I don't know. Do you want to like go death by death and like break down? Because they were like, they all were very distinct at least. Yes. Yes, I do. Distinctly bad. <laughs> Number one, Billy Magnuson gets pulled into a painting by monkeys. Monkey arms. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't know why that happened. Out of fucking nowhere. So also, dumb. like... Not to get too into it, but like he's transporting these paintings by this guy who's like a, he doesn't even a know haunt. what's in there. He's like, he doesn't know what's in there. He crashes at a gas station because of these haunted patient paintings, and he goes into the gas station, which has one of the paintings on the wall. For somehow, some somehow the gas there was station no got explanation like a, in the middle a of nowhere. Dollar painting. Apparently, it's and a very and, valuable. And painting. monkeys pull him into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next death was uh, car crash. 
That was the car crash, oh. right? Yeah. And then led into What's the, the next one? Uh, it was the, the the guy, the glasses, I don't even know his name. Oh, that random character? Yeah. Wait, which one? Oh, wait. Does he, he like hangs himself or something? No, like, like he doesn't even hang himself. A random arm comes from the ceiling, from the ceiling and just yeah. grabs his tie and hangs, hangs him. Hangs him. Yes. Who's that actor? I wanted that actor to be other people. Tom Sturridge? <laughs> Tom Sturridge? Like, I wanted him to be, like, Kieran Culkin or, like, Daniel <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dude, Kieran Culkin's a great call for that character. Missed opportunity. And it's all of, like, I get, that's, I get that, it That's now. what this movie should be called. Just missed yeah. opportunity. I get all the death. Every single death has to do with, like, their desire of that. Like, the, the one with the orb when it comes. Like, she, um... Well, Tony, Tony Collette. Collette. Yeah. So, so Tony Collette's death So she constantly is. desires... Which is also in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, she constantly desires the orb throughout the whole film, and that's, like, a big thing. She's like, oh, we need to have the orb. Like, her desire of this art is what kills her, and that's what everyone, like, art is killing them. But it's just so, like, tacky. That know. was the only death scene that I actually kind of liked. It looked like, cool. It, was it did look cool. Fairly well shot and blocked out and, you know, executed. Her arm gets ripped off, and then they cut to the next morning where everyone thinks it's part of the art exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> the children are playing in her blood. I actually kind of like that. The, one of the best parts. Yeah, of yeah. I actually so, enjoyed yeah. that part. Um, and then <laughs> uh, the next death, I think, was that Jake Gyllenhaal? Was he the next, or was that... Well, was let's, let's, we, we can count because... Uh, Natalia Dyer, who is only in this movie, she to finds walk him. in on the dead characters. Every single character. Every time. And first it's the guy who gets hanged, then it's Tony Collette, and then Jake Gyllenhaal, right? So I guess he's the, the third? Yeah. yeah. Oh, because him and Za, um, uh, Josefina. Uh, oh, she dies first, right? Yeah, she dies, I think, later. It's the same time, I, I thought they were... Oh, it's intercut. It yeah. Is, yeah, okay. it's intercut. Uh, that was also so, like, receptionist, intern-type shit, where you just oh, yeah. see, like, the most fucked-up shit, and, like, you're just like, well, I can't say anything about this, because <laughs> like, my boss is, like... <laughs> yeah. The, the big... I think, the for me, the biggest disappointment for the deaths was definitely Jake Gyllenhaal's. One, because... It's Jake Gyllenhaal, and like he's like essentially like the main character of the film. I think kind of. There's not even really a main character. No, nope. jumps around a bunch. Yeah. But he's the one, I think he's the one that you're like most in, at least I was the most interested in. And yeah. they set up this death with him where early on in the film there's an exhibit where it's this uh, this like robot. I think it's called um, Hobo, Hobo Man. Hobo Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's kind of bizarre. But then as Jake like the film's going on, Jake Gyllenhaal ends up getting cornered by him and like. The back alcoves of the art gallery, I guess. No, it's a storage, storage facility. facility. A storage facility, right? And they, yeah, it just happens to be stored next to his storage facility. Yeah, somehow. Randomly. Yeah, yeah, randomly, perfectly yeah. right there, um, and it gets out too. It just yeah. gets out. Actually, I enjoyed the moment when it's running at him. I thought that yeah, was kind of yeah, yeah. scary. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but then they, they 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 get to the part like a point where Jake Gyllenhaal is trapped up against the gate, and the art exhibit grabs him, and then they cut away and never actually show him die. Which yeah, is it was a cheap. real cheap fucking. Uh, <sighs> Uh, I think, so my favorite death was actually the one that happened simultaneously, which was the Josephina death, which is her on the phone, like, so first she's, like, in a parking lot, and then the oh, parking lot, great the parking lot turns into actually being at the art exhibit somehow, and then she walks inside, and she's on the phone. She walks inside with no question of why the art exhibit wasn't there five yeah, seconds Yeah, it was before. a wall, it manifested itself, She saw the wall, the art exhibit. and then turns around and turns back, and, and she just walks exhibit. in no there, question. she walks in there to take a phone call. Yeah. And, uh, and watches on the phone with, I think it is with Rene Russo's character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one, the, in the background, one of the paintings. Ro, ro, what was all of the paintings. Rhodesia or something? Uh, it yeah. is, uh, Redora. Redora. But all yeah. of the, all the paintings start to melt. Yeah, and then, and then it, it travels, like, on the floor towards her and makes its way up her leg and submerges her in the art, which is, is like, actually, like, very, like, interesting to watch. It's, it's like, good. Like, it's, like, I wish the whole film was that. That one scene. That one scene. Yep. Over and over. 
Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last death is uh, Rene Russo. And she first dodges death for the first time. Like there's uh, her cat happens to be outside, and she chases after her cat. A big sculpture falls, but yeah. just misses her. Like the idea is that all of the art is attempting to kill her. Including sculptures, like anything that you could call art is trying to kill her. Yeah, and then it kind of concludes with like, oh, but you can't get away with, you know, no matter what, you're in the art business, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of evil in a way, or it's going to come back. And so she has the tattoo that you start, that they open the uh, film with, Velvet Buzzsaw on her neck, that just turns into a real buzzsaw and basically starts spinning and like destroys her insides. Which I actually, I like that as an idea for a death <laughs> yeah. scene. But it, it was just, tacky. The it way was it just executed. like unearned and just like out of nowhere. And yeah, then, just to drive home the uh, the whole, you know, theme of yeah. the film. Yeah. And then speaking of deaths, we can also speak of survivals. The assistant? Our but well, she she does, but our buddy... <laughs> but she doesn't survive. John she has to Malkovich. move back home. Oh yeah, John Malkovich I think is the most disconnected from this film. Cause he's, well, he's, he's like the real artist. That, I think that's what they're showing him as. It's like he's actually the, like the... I don't know. He's like trying to make it in a way and like recreate Brendan, explain himself. your face right now. And he gets lost. It's in, like shaking the head, like looking down, like... Try and like figure it out, but yeah. also like simultaneously like wishing I was John Malkovich on the beach drawing circles in the circles. sand. Yeah. yeah, during the credits. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Getting credits sequence. It wasn't his best Netflix film, and it wasn't his worst Netflix film. <laughs> his Bird Box, his best yeah. Netflix film. He was good in Bird Box. Uh. <laughs> we'll say what we will about Bird Box. Anyway, Velvet Buzzsaw is sort of I don't know. It starts with an original like idea, and then it kind of ends off with like a tacky like the homeless guy or someone like a guy on the side of the street ends up selling their paintings for like five dollars. Those paintings. Oh, that was that the they, most cliche horror ending that they value. Like, oh, everyone's like, gonna get killed now. Like. Yeah, but the, the way like he sells them for five, and it's like yeah, art is only valuable because we make it that way, or like the whole art business. But like we, I don't know. It just it all felt really tacky, and none of it felt sort of like unique and, and deep in a way it just very felt one dimensional in the end yeah. we were all very excited to watch it before we realized what we were watching absolutely destroyed. and then once we accepted what we were watching we were very excited to continue watching Again, it because yes. as bad as it is and we kept we keep ragging on it it was a fucking blast it was so much fun La I, like I have never laughed as hard as when Jake Gyllenhaal's hand turned into an airplane going into a woman's vagina <laughs> that was the most insane shit I've ever seen and in my yet life. And it still ended up on the bottom of most, oh, I think all of our lists, almost. No, it was my bottom. It was my bottom. It was my I, I think it's going to be a cult fave. I like everything to use a cult fave now. <laughs> no, Ooh. I just think like, <laughs> I think in the internet age, we have like a unique like desire for like trash just to make fun of. Like, I feel like that's True. just how we grew up. Is like we're just like we're gonna make fun of like this film or we're gonna watch something because we know it's stupid. Yeah. Like, why don't we watch reality TV? I don't. And Dan Gilroy is committed to giving us more of that material to rip apart. Yeah, because I hope that Dan Gilroy somehow bounces back. But I will definitely uh, not sort of give him that benefit of the doubt next time. I'm going to be... I won't, he also, he's written some real bad movies, if you go back through his filmography. Yeah. His first movie ever was a movie called Free Jack, which is terrible. And, you know, like I feel like overall he's made more bad movies than good. I'll be very cautious next time and not believe any of the marketing. Did you guys see J. Roman Israel? Or Roman J. Israel? No. Did he no. write that? He, did, he, wrote, he directed, directed it. it, yeah. Uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire. Yeah. yeah, did you see it? Yeah. Is it good? Alright, I like have a different perspective of him as a filmmaker now that I know that he made that. Good. I thought Roman J. Israel was just like a very... 
interesting, odd film. Like, I feel like it was just cool that Denzel got nominated for the Oscar for it. For a movie that, like, no one had seen. Yeah, it was, like, it wasn't a bad film. It was, like, interesting. Yeah. But also, he, like, misses the mark. Like, I think, like you said, Nightcrawler is the only thing that he really, it's like, shock- got the yeah. Yeah. It is so like, shocking that a guy that made Nightcrawler, which in my opinion is a absolute masterpiece. Perfect film. It's, it, it's, it's close. close. Yeah, it's it, maybe. It's it is unbelievable. Level. I mean, everything about it is so unique, so original, <laughs> so powerful. It's just such an incredible film to then go on and make something so bad. It's it's. I don't know what, what happened. But. He, I didn't realize he wrote Kong Skull Island also. Oh my God. That's strange. Yeah. That's also a really, really poorly written movie. Like, yeah. say what you will about the directing and the Kong stuff. <clears> like, that's some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard. I have a Dan Gilroy interview lined up for a flight home. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 not like he's coming on this podcast, but like I'm intrigued to see like what he says. About After we film. just like ripped his movie apart, he's coming yeah. on our podcast. Well, because because there right. were there were a lot of mixed reviews in like the true sense of the, sense of the word, where there like there are definitely bad reviews of this movie, but there are also like good reviews. And I don't know Some how. people loved it. I don't know yeah. how. I really don't know how you could there could be a good review. I think there's like half of sorry, America that's not just basic sorry. and they're just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason that all of the, the, you know, every Netflix original movie that comes out, Twitter like explodes over it and like loves it for a week well, until the, the good next news, one comes out. the good news is I think there's a trend for every one Roma, we get to like bad stuff. So we've had Roma, then we had Bird Box, which is trash. And then we had... Um, the Fire Festival. Uh, no, Velvet Buzzsaw, which <laughs> yeah. is trash. So I think next we will have a great Netflix film. Honestly, I'll take somewhere. one great movie and... Two like, bad movies, one of which I can laugh at. Like, that's yeah. worth it to me. Yeah, hopefully a great one coming soon. Maybe The Irishman. Is Roma, nope. the, is Roma the best <laughs> Netflix movie? Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, probably, Up there? right? Yeah. I can't think I'd of I'd have to like, look at a list of all their movies, but that's... They've made some good... Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you're Roma right, is one of the best films we've seen in the last like four years. Probably. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine there's a better Netflix movie out there. So hopefully... Uh, Unless you count The Christmas Princess, but... Or Christmas Prince. What's, what is that? I don't know what that is. Yeah, me neither. Well, you guys should watch it. No, you should uh, Well, I do hope Oh, you're thinking of Beasts of No Nation. Oh, yeah. I, actually, that's a, a fantastic Netflix movie. That's a good call. Oh, Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game is good. Gerald's Game is terrible. <laughs> that is not a good Netflix movie. I don't know why that happens to Netflix, too. Like, they're a studio that seems to be very liberal with their... How much money they give to directors for films. And so, you know, you would think... I don't know how they keep fucking striking out. Well, so the problem really. is that, like... These movies are bad, but people, like the majority of people like who are watching them love it, and they keep watching it, so they keep making these bad movies, because they know that people are going to watch it and stream it. Well, it, I think it's it's not, it, the, Netflix's design is not a bad thing, because they give a lot of creative control to their filmmakers, but the problem with that then is, like, you just, the, the ratio of good to bad is just sometimes... This is a good, yeah. sorry, what was it? I was going to say it's also like algorithm filmmaking. Oh yeah, totally. Like, it's like, what's just like, alright, like... so we'll put Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie, we'll put John Malkovich in a movie, we'll put Tony Collette in a movie, we'll put Dabit Diggs in a movie, like it's the same with Bird Box, we'll put Sandra Bullock in a movie, we'll put Little Rel in a movie, we'll put John Malkovich in a movie, <laughs> we'll put the dude from Moonlight into a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, oh alright, we'll bring in a bunch of different people who like different actors mm. who act in very different films and yep. we'll just bring them together. It's like a super group and like the music may not be the best music that these people have ever made but you're going to watch it because they have a history of making decent stuff yeah. and they've been tested. Yeah, and like, not only that but like, besides from like, aside from like Roma and a handful of other ones, like, all of these Netflix movies are just so easily digestible. Like, there's nothing like challenging about them or 
You know, yeah. it, they're all just so simple and straightforward. And, yeah, and especially the the, the the uh the narratives. Like, there's like, I think Netflix makes like, a good selection of original documentaries, but mm. the the narratives are just hit or miss. Maybe that's the point of Velvet Buzzsaw is that there is no connective tissue, so you could be looking at your phone and then look back up, and you won't have missed anything <laughs> that will. Well, I don't know. You might have missed a good laugh. <laughs> I I hope that maybe Dan Gilroy was just trolling everyone. That, yeah, that, that, I hope and, so. And that's the message of the movie. I think that's going to be his, like, revisionist history in interviews. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be his, like, The Happening for M. Night Shyamalan? Like, gotcha! Oh, it was a B-horror movie the whole time! The whole time? Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I just, I'm not, I, I appreciate its, you know, fun value and a lot of Netflix's fun value, but I'm not, like, crazy about all those, like, I, I don't like watching a lot of films that are just, like, sort of, you turn your mind off and just kind of, like, relax. Like, if you want to relax, you need to take a bubble bath or something. Yeah, you know, when I watch, well, I don't know, just take first, a bubble bath, take a bubble bath, you know? You heard it here first from Dr. Mitch. Instead of, <laughs> wait, I don't, I just don't like wasting my time watching some of those stuff, so, so I do, I, I really wish that they would, Netflix would give money to more independent films that were, you know, pushing boundaries, telling unique stories, like really good film, because there is so much good film out there, Yeah. so, you know, it's sad that still Netflix is handing out money to a bunch of trash, Yeah. unfortunately. So turn off your Netflix and turn on the tub. Yeah, <laughs> and just hold it out for the good movies. It sucks, because, like, Netflix used to be, like, oh, this is cool, like, it's Netflix, like, they're releasing, like, House of Cards or, like, something, like, interesting that, like, we've never seen before, and now it's just, like, oh, they're, like, normie television and normie yeah. movies. And when they first started they doing movies, it was, it was all just interesting stuff. It was Beasts of No Nations was one, like, that was, like, the first one, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. Um... Good friend, Kerry Fukunaga. Your good friend? Yeah, he's our good friend. Oh, okay. Good friend of the pod. Nice. nice. I don't think we've ever trashed him on the pod. I think we've only said amazing things about him. I mean, he's insanely talented. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll watch anything he does. He's doing. I think he's doing the next James Bond movie, right? Yeah. Oh, was that, that was confirmed. Very right? exciting, yeah. Oh, he's the first American director to do a Bond film, I think. Wait, no, is that... Am I, am I making that up? The first two? American director? I think something like that. Isn't, wasn't, isn't Sam Mendes American? I think we've had this literal same conversation, like... Okay, I know we did, and the reason I'm saying that is because I thought, in my mind, I thought Sam Mendes was British, and I was told he was American, yeah. so now I'm switching it, but maybe I I'm, I I thought this exact same thing before, I don't know. Let me look up Sam Mendes. Yeah, look up Sam Mendes right now. That's going to be good for our sound. <laughs> Should I go turn that off? Ah, we'll be wrapping up soon. This was a long ass up. That was, uh, that's Dan Gilroy coming He in. is British. Gillis. He is British. Sam Mendes? Yeah. Okay, well, fuck you then. Okay. I think he is Fukunaga. Yeah, that bomb film's Sam Mendes direct American Beauty? Yeah. Yeah. God, fucking foreigners just trying to They're better. tell our history. They're better at making <laughs> movies than us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. They're just so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I feel like if you're... If you're, like, a foreign person and you come to America, it's, like, you had to be good and, like, right. top your, like, industry back yeah. home. But if you're, like, in an, the American industry, it's like, oh... Like, what was your connection? Cool. Yep. Like, yep. what film school did you get to go to? <laughs> That's so true. It is, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were a Sundance Fellow for five years, and then <laughs> you decided to make a feature? <laughs> yeah, it's very accurate. That's why the, the past, like, four Oscars have been, been won by amazing, like, Mexican directors. And we'll possibly continue the trend this year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Americans are really good at fighting for mediocrity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. 
Well, I guess that concludes our Sundance episode of the podcast. Uh, any any final thoughts before we head out, folks? Uh, Sundance is an awesome experience. Um, I'd recommend it at least once to everyone who, who loves movies. And, you know, if you're going to go, do a couple of movies that have a lot of hype and then just pick a couple wild cards that you know almost nothing about because usually those end up being, like, the coolest movies you end up seeing at Sundance. Yeah, and they're the things that you might not actually get to see later on because some of these things that we talked about, like Honey Boy like, will get probably get a wide release. Uh, uh, Love Antosha will get a wide release, but something like, I don't know. We are little zombies. Yeah, might not get, you might not necessarily see that in your local cinema, especially if you live in the upstate New York area. Yeah. Wow, thank you guys so much. Thank this you, was, Jordan. This was quite a joy. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed our bonus episode. Keep your eyes peeled for all of these films coming out soon. Watch Velvet Buzzsaw if you want to. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. No, dude, it's so fun. But drink and watch it with multiple people. Yeah. Um, take a, I, take a I, bubble bath. I have never done any psychedelic drugs, but you you might want to do acid before watching Velvet Buzzsaw. Before wounds, maybe. Also before wounds. Yeah. And before the souvenir. No. And before Love Antosha. Oh no, definitely not. Don't do acid before Love Antosha. Please that'll don't do that. You up. <laughs> yeah, that'll fuck you up. <laughs> in, not in a good way. <laughs> we are little zombies. You don't have to do anything. It, like you, you watch it. it you're acid. already on a trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Night. <laughs>